Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. I don't think it'll do as well. I think it's it's set up. The first one did so well, and it was so long ago. It's definitely an uphill. Battle. When when does two come out? Twenty seventeen. I don't know. Yeah. So. Stephen like Lang, he like died, eight right? years after the original. Stephen yeah. Lang died. Okay. He blows up. Oh, there goes a couple billion. He's back though. I'm pretty sure he's in. I think the character's back. He's in. He's in the second one. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. He I, doesn't Sigourney Weaver die in the first one too? No. Yeah. At the very end, I think. Yeah. She gets really? shot. She dies. She's back in this one too. Is she? Pretty sure. No, but she she doesn't she, she doesn't get she, transferred she, into her. She turns into like the, the Earth. Isn't she know. the first one that gets? Alex, I don't, had, I don't know, man. I don't remember. Well, let's have one of our listeners write in with the plot description of Avatar because I do not remember. <laughs> Pocahontas with blue people. <laughs> Sum up Avatar. <laughs> what other? What this could be a segment. What? So the. Re- <laughs> The reason Avatar was so, I think it appealed to so many people, or so many people were able to digest it, was because it was like it was it was a hamburger, like it was it appealed to everybody. It was simple, and it and it took from so many so many tropes from so many other things. So people say Dances with Wolves, Pocahontas, Ferngully. We should talk about what Avatar Two is going to be, like what movies it's going to lift its plot structure from. <laughs> good, good fellas. Well, I mean that the wasn't, isn't. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Space, <laughs> space Godfather? Coked out navvies running around and flying. Scarface. Dragons. It'll be Scarface. There's, well, there's, it's been years since I've thought about Avatar, but the wasn't the theory that the second one's supposed to focus on like the water? And yeah, the, ocean, it was the, so. the idea was that he's oh, going to so do aquatic stuff. Yeah, so Waterworld, water yeah. the Abyss. Jaws. Jaws. Goodfellas. Goodfellas. <laughs> It's just an avatar stand. underwater space. Good an avatar standing over a broken down avatar ship, and Layla's playing. White squall. White squall. White squall. You five seven one. The hunt for red October. Das boot. Open water. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. That movie's hilarious. <laughs> that movie does have one of the most terrifying sequences at nighttime. Yeah, that is rough. so creepy. That ending is so mean. <laughs> It's tough. What? Have you ever seen it? No. It's so mean. I, uh, I, I'm sure they both die. <laughs> yeah, they do. You're just given though. They it's weird. swim around for like an hour and 20 minutes, and then he winds up like dying, because like, he gets bit and bleeds out, I think, right? Yes. Or do the sharks actually take him? They only take his body. So I think do he gets, they? Yeah, he gets bit, and then she wakes up, and he's gone. His body's gone. Oh fuck! Because they drag it under, and then she like, just gives up and like dunks. Like there's like eight yeah. sharks. There's like sharks circling her by the end, and she just dunks her head in the water and like cuts herself or something. I yeah. think, and that's how it ends. I think that you'd literally just see her go under the and water, that's it. and yeah. then like that's it. Yeah. She just like drowns herself. Suicide by shark. Speaking of sharks, welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Tim. Shark aside. That's my new name. <laughs> what were the, na- what were the names? Call me the- shark aside. What were the names of the four street sharks? I don't know. Biz, Skits. <laughs> I, don't know, Biz. Like I think Skates was one of them or Is something it? like that. I just made it up. Skits. skits. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of like 90s teen Biz. names. Biz and Skits. Kid Vid. And, and 
Rory and Rizzo. <laughs> Today we talked about all of that stuff before all of this, but then we're also going to talk about some of our favorite musical performances. Oh, you're recording this in whole a movie, thing. yeah. And uh, we're going to end with my choice for keyframes: "The Life Aquatic" with Steve Zissou, which was the speaking of sharks, because there's a jaguar shark in this movie. That was the whole point. I didn't yeah. think of that. Jab streaks. <laughs> Bends and Ripster. Never watched, any, never watched any Street Sharks, and I got that close to the names. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Ripster. Feedback Ripster. at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us and let us know how far off the rails our show is <laughs> right from the get-go. Uh, at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Vine. We're also on MidwestFilmNerds.com. There you can find all of our previous 145-plus bonus episodes and full show notes, so you can skip over... Spoilery bits or stuff that you don't want to hear. And uh, Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com is where you can shop on Amazon. And part of your purchase will make its way to us so we can make our show and network even better. <laughs> I can't believe you recorded all that. Yeah, and some of it's gone. Well, I mean, you were kind of away from the mic, so I apologize to the listeners if, if Willie is somewhat hard to hear they aren't that upset. in the beginning. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I like it. It's like when The Simpsons open up with a completely unrelated storyline right? for the rest of the show. Well, it was related. It was sharks. Oh, that's the second time I've owed that. <laughs> <laughs> it came around eventually. It did. Yeah. It did. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I don't think there were any fall movie draft movies that came out this past weekend. No. Next weekend, we've got The Martian. I didn't yeah. put the other one up there that comes out this week. Uh, Sicario. Sicario. Thank yeah. You. Oh, I, well. That wasn't. Really on anybody's radar, from what I know. Did you pick one a week? No, I just picked from a list. What he thought the big ones were. Okay, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So so far, Tim's the winner with the whatever black mass hands. <laughs> the big ones in Trumbo. That's yeah, I was <laughs> just gonna say. I turned my head towards the list, and my eyes went right to it. <laughs> they don't gotta be big to get critically acclaimed. That's all I'm this saying. This is true. This is true. You never know, but if less people see it, that means the. Uh, the people that rate it low are going to be more of the average. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to win, guys. <laughs> you never know because uh, Black Mass had like a 96 or 97 for like a while. And then when it came out, it went <laughs> and dropped like 20%. Yeah. They always do. Yeah, they always do. Yeah, I think some of it's like the reviewer bias of the, oh, I got to see a preview screening and I really enjoyed this movie and blah. Yeah, but, when you don't pay money for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Versus whatever else you would pay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, since The Life Aquatic features uh, the wonderful Sue George, if that's how you say his name. I yeah, we should have looked that up. Sue Jorge. I don't know. He's Siri, how do you pronounce <laughs> Sue George? <laughs> Ripster. Uh Rooster. It's <laughs> Rooster Makata? I thought you said Rooster. We'll figure it out later. Everyone, anyway, everyone knows Sue. The wonderful Pele in The yes. Life Aquatic sings many Portuguese David Bowie covers, which in in actuality, I can tell you guys, when I first saw the movie, I thought he was just singing gibberish to the tune of David Bowie covers. <laughs> and it even added to the experience of the movie. If you could believe it. But... <laughs> Uh, I wanted to know what some of your guys' favorite performances of music by a character in a film were. I don't know who wants to start. I have one weird, like, totally random one off the top of my head. Okay. 
Um, Jim Carrey and Yes Man. It's a really stupid pick. Like, like, like the movie's not that great, but he, he sings Jumper, and it's really funny. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> Luis Guzman is up there, and he's going to kill himself. And then Jim Carrey, like, runs in the apartment and grabs a guitar and just starts playing Jumper to, like, make him get up. And then he starts singing together. <laughs> That's pretty special. It's pretty funny. He's actually pretty good. That's good. That's I thought you were going to say it was like he goes out to karaoke and says yes to karaoke for once because that's the theme of the movie but that'd be pretty good but sadly that's not the case um the other one i was thinking of oh god uh black rain we we reviewed that movie a while mm-hmm. back but um andy garcia and uh god what's i can never remember the japanese lily japanese actor the detective yeah the two of them singing uh karaoke at the bars were really good this is true yeah i'm yeah. sure that came up in our review yeah, I'm sure. But, uh, That's really good. I can't think of any other ones. <laughs> Tim, what do you got? Um, I had... Um, <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me check my phone. It's again. been a long day yeah, for everybody yeah. here. Yeah. Carrie Mulligan and Shame, which is just like Yes Man. <laughs> uh, it's, she sings... She does a version, and I think it's all in like... It's all shot in like one take, and... It's the, the movie by Steve McQueen starring Michael Fassbender as yep. like a sex addict. Co-starring Michael Fassbender's <laughs> Fassbender. <laughs> and she does this version. It's like a five-minute version of uh, New York, New York. And it's really heartbreaking. And um, Fassbender's in the crowd the whole time. And Fassbender's penis is in the crowd the whole time. And um, it's just really, really good. <laughs> well, well said, Tim. <laughs> um so I had that one. Oh, this my boy, um, Rupert Everett's been in the news recently because Matt Damon made some comments about how um, I I don't want to twist his words any further, but he he basically said that um, Rupert Everett, oh, star of my best friend's wedding, Cemetery Man. He if he wouldn't and Cemetery Man, Cemetery Man is awesome. Delamorte, Delamorte, Um <laughs> If he wouldn't have come out, he would have had a much bigger career is what Matt Damon said in this interview. And he kind of – he was saying that it, it applied to maybe maybe gay actors should think about that. And what's funny is Matt Damon's getting a lot of flack for this right yeah. now. And Rupert Everett said the same thing a couple of years ago in an interview. He's like, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have come out. He's not wrong. He's not I wrong. hate to say no, it, but it's Rupert true. Everett should have been a much bigger star because yeah. uh, My Best Friend's Wedding is what I'm thinking of where they sit around the table and he sings. He's fantastic. He's fabulous even in that movie. And he is <laughs> – and it's amazing. Like, he's he so, makes that movie. He's so, he does because I, like, I don't remember anything about that movie except for him and the scene where they sing Say a Little Prayer for You like around the table and he leads it and it, it's wonderful it, it's fantastic um and the part where he kills zombies in cemetery man is pretty good yeah. oh God. see cemetery man you can see all of rupert everett if i recall. you should watch cemetery man everybody co-starring. it's insane <laughs> co-starring rupert everett's not penis but butt if i recall um there's a yeah yeah yep. yep um <laughs> God, there's a theme here. Uh, Hedwig in the Angry Inch. Uh, there you go. John Cameron Mitchell um, as uh, the lead character. It, my problem with that movie is I think it dies after the Origin of Love song at the beginning. Yeah. I, it doesn't die. It's just not as good because that's the best part of the movie, and it's really good. Peaks early on. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, and then the only other ones I could think of really off the top of my head were two Will Ferrell ones. I... Uh, <laughs> Oh man! Old school when he sings <laughs> when he sings <laughs> "Dust in the Wind" at Blue's funeral. <laughs> Old school is kind of the movie that where Will Ferrell kind of burst on the scene. 
And I think yeah. it's that scene that does it because it's really dark and funny. And that has literally been my um, my text tone on my cell my phone for since I've had this phone. Right. And I lost it when I did an update one time, and then I I paid again to get that because <laughs> it bummed me out so much. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. And then the other one is the uh, afternoon delight scene from Anchorman, um, mm-hmm. because it's Anchorman is pretty much a Marx Brothers comedy. For uh, for the most part, and that's like the most uh, off the wall thing to do at that time in the movie. And it's the reason why the sequel doesn't work as well is because they you can't have a movie f- like an anarchy anarchy movie and then just like copy the stuff you did in the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. But the second part, there's another funny song part. It's the song where he sings about um the dolphin or the shark, yeah. his pet shark. <laughs> and that part is actually really funny. They originally planned um Anchorman two as a musical. Like they're gonna do a Broadway show of it. I wish they would have stuck with that. So yeah, yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Can I come back with a couple more? Because now I'm thinking of sure. some. I know that's totally unprofessional, and I apologize. <laughs> um, there are two songs that are are sung in the movie Ten Years, which I know Alex has seen. I don't think you guys have seen it. The one the with Channing Tatum, Tatum and yeah, it's the reunion yeah, movie. Yeah. It, there are two songs. One is uh, Oscar Isaac. He sings a song in that, and it's wonderful. You Ain't Going Nowhere by Bob Dylan, right? Well, he sings that, but he sings oh. a, a song. He, I think he wrote the song, actually. It was, a, it was at least a song written for the movie. I don't Written know by the character as well yeah. in the movie. And, and it's, yeah. it's got a very, there's, it's a very wonderful moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Chris Pratt does a wonderful rendition of Lady in Red. But, yeah. he, but basically, he's, a, he's kind of a... Uh, an ex well he's still kind of a bully he was a bully in high school and he gave this asian kid a lot of crap and the, and he starts singing uh asian and beige <laughs> and it's really funny when he sings it because he's like hammered drunk it's it's very funny i think that's all i had so go ahead okay yeah. nick what's on your list uh well spinning right out of where willie was um uh inside lewin davis has a couple key moments, but I think the one uh, that struck me the most is the last song he sings in the movie. Is uh, it's an amazing place to end the movie, and yeah. it's a, a really, it's definitely my favorite song on the soundtrack. Uh, Oscar Isaac's version of "Fare Thee Well," and um, yeah, that's probably that. Probably the only serious one I have. Uh, there's one that I. <laughs> So I saw this movie when I was, I think I was in my early years in high school, probably, and this scene immediately made me want to go out and just woo a lady in like the smoothest way I could, which back <laughs> then was not significant. But the uh, the scene where uh, Heath Ledger sings in 10 Things I Hate About You oh, yeah. on the football field yeah. yep. is a classic scene. Absolutely. First time I saw that, I was like, man, I will never be that cool. I'll never <laughs> be that slick. He but owns I, it, though. But I can try. He does. Yeah, it's great. Um, this one kind of doesn't count, but uh, um, whatever. Uh <laughs> In Ferris Bueller's Day Off, when he sings Twist and Shout at the parade, he's not really singing, but he kind of is, yeah. and it's such an awesome scene. Still quite a performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Goodbye Horses scene from Sounds of the Lambs. Yeah, I don't think he is... I think he only sings that line, if he does at all. I think he sings along a little bit with it. Yeah, yeah. I, in my memory, he does. All I can really remember is, well... Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. But it's just so funny, and that song is ruined forever because of that movie, or enhanced. Uh, <laughs> I have two karaoke scenes, and they're both fascinating and hilarious. In Only God Forgives, there's a lot of karaoke. Oh, God. Not a good movie. A great one. No, not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, not, not a great movie either. Uh, 
but there's a lot of karaoke in it and it's really fascinating and there's a scene in the movie slither where this like total yeah i can't even think of how to describe her but this woman is singing the crying game she's like a townie like a yes yeah, like a and, townie. and oh. it is hysterical and it's super brief it's very fleeting but i remember it was the first moment and maybe the only moment when i was watching that movie on dvd that i actually like belly laughed out loud because <laughs> she just got this shocked deer in the headlights gaze and both hands are on the microphone and she's singing it and there's no one in the room is reacting and it's just the most <laughs> It's story te- visual storytelling at its finest. It just paints <laughs> such a picture. And then uh, the very last one I have is uh, Chris Pine in Wet Hot American Summer television show, which is just breathtaking <laughs> and so awesome. Yeah, we've covered that one before as well. Um, it's funny. I felt like I had a bunch, and then you guys took some, and now I have none. I got one. No, not really. Oh, What's you up, got one? Oh, sorry. No, no, please. No, no. What, what do you got? Oh, I wanted to, because he was talking about karaoke, Bill Murray and Lost in Translation. Oh, is a really, really good. Yeah. 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 Great scene. Very true. Ed Very Helms in The Hangover. The little, what do tigers dream of? I like that. <laughs> oh, Michael yeah, Sarah in Superbad. Oh, that, that, yeah. That's one of like three scenes in that movie I enjoy, <laughs> and that one is amazing. <laughs> I feel like John is probably yelling at the, yelling at the, uh, at his at, phone at right now, phone. but uh <laughs> Uh, Jack Black in high fidelity, high fidelity singing. Ooh, um, yes. Let's get it on. Yes, is is pretty fantastic. Uh, one that I think Willie might be a little remiss that he didn't think of is Rachel Vice singing "I've Got a Crush on You." It's really and, good. Yeah, and definitely maybe yeah. is is a very it's a great performance and it's one that I know a lot of people are online. If you search for that string, you'll see a lot of people like why isn't this on the soundtrack anywhere? But it's it's quite good. Uh, all of Lewin Davis, all mm-hmm. of it's fantastic. I really enjoy um, Green Green Rocky Road when he's in the car with uh, passed out John Goodman and, and Garrett Hedlund, just like trying to like get a rise out of them in any particular way he can, like making it the prettiest version of the song that I've heard, and then also like trying to encourage some kind of. Uh, interaction from john goodman or something and just not getting it at all it's a really really it's a funny scene to me and i enjoy it quite a bit um oh yeah of course the theme song to the past is sung <laughs> by john Leguizamo in the beginning of the movie oh when my he's in the god shower. he sings a theme song yeah I it's great i could probably recite it word for word i could probably sing it but i'm not going to um yeah, I don't know. I want purple to... rain. Oh God, all of purple rain. Oh, yeah. yeah, that yeah. the whole movie. Yeah, so true, so true. I wanted because uh, we're talking about Coen Brothers. I wanted to bring up Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yeah, the, uh, mm-hmm. the scene. And actually, Man of Constant Sorrow is kind of the one that broke out. I really like the scene with the sirens in the water because yeah. I think it's really kind of weird and kind of creepy yeah. in the song they sing and everything. So, yeah, absolutely. Willie, are we forgetting any horror ones? Um, real quick, has anybody ever seen Road Trip? I know it's not a horror one. I'm going to get to the horror okay. one. So, anybody ever seen Road Trip? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The the song Tom Green sings randomly in the middle of the movie about the like the animals. Do you remember that? And he's like, the minor bird says, <laughs> it's really funny. Like it makes it comes out of nowhere. It's really good. Watch it on YouTube. That reminds really me of uh, Dumb and Dumber when they're singing Mockingbird. Yep. In the yeah, car. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, of course, there's there's Ooh Baby, Ooh from, Baby from, um, Fra- from Friday Thirty Part Five. <laughs> yeah. Um, Listen to that uh, to bonus episode it. if you want to hear Willie and Tim sing it. The Le- other one, Le- I- in the Hood. 
What's that? Lep in the hood. Lep in the hood, up to no good. Yep. Um, the other one I was thinking of that makes me just really uncomfortable, it has always made me uncomfortable, is Jerry O'Connell in Scream 2. It's really, really awkward. He gets up and sings to Nev Campbell. I think he might sing. I think I love oh, you. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, Jerry, no. Don't do it. That's kind of part of the charm. It's supposed to be part of the charm, but it's really he kind of it's miserable to watch. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I forgot about the karaoke scene in the past when he's dressed as the... <laughs> Japanese man singing the Bonanza theme song. Also Classic fantastic. moments in cinema. Yeah. Some oh, of, some of the best. Some of the best. Um, Anybody else? I don't know. Oh, we, we had some listeners write in. Willie just reminded Facebook. me of one and now I forgot it. Oh, Ninja Rap from Turtles 2. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Important. All vanilla. Yep. Absolutely. He's amazing. Uh, Jason Kimmel wrote in and said, Blue Velvet, the scene at the brothel. Does that count as a musical performance? Yes. Yeah. That's kind of along the lines of Ferris Bueller. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then uh, Youp, of course, wrote in and said, that has to be Smash Mouth and Rat Race. Oh, <laughs> oh man. man. Smash Mouth as themselves. And singing. just like that. Yeah. That he reminds me. He oh. wins. Because <laughs> uh, along with that, uh, Sugar Ray was in this first Scooby-Doo movie. In a really awkward musical performance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Slipknot. Oh, Macy Gray is the first Spider-Man. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Where did she come from? I don't know. Where did she go? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I got Cotton Eye Joe stuck in my head. Um, You're welcome. Slipknot, I remember. I was a huge Slipknot fan in middle school and like early high school. And I remember I, was, I heard they were going to be in the movie Rollerball. And I, I, I got to go see Rollerball in the theater because Slipknot's in it. And then I went and saw Rollerball in the theater. And they're on the screen for like 30 seconds tops. And I was like, oh. Like Cannibal Corpse and Ace Ventura? Yeah. Everybody forgets that that's Cannibal mm-hmm. Corpse in there. There's actually an extended cut of that scene. I swear to God, I've seen it. it. Yeah, they show it on um, TV, right? Like TV every once in a while. Yeah, he yeah. jumps on stage with them and everything. Yep. Yeah. 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 He, apparently, Jim Carrey's a diehard Cannibal Corpse fan. <laughs> yeah. That is like, so weird to me. Like he, he was like, he wanted them to be the band in the movie. Yeah. That's a really funny moment, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tia Carrera in uh, Wayne's World. Oh, yeah. Yeah, also very good. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. I feel like there's just endless ones in comedy movies that yeah. we're not going to be able to remember. Yeah. Uh, there is one super, super depressing one that I can remember. Oh, yeah. Would be oh, from, we were uh, talking about, Alex. Blue Valentine when oh, Ryan Gosling yeah. kind of... It's not. I don't think. Does he sing? Yeah, he sings on the ukulele. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I remember him playing the ukulele. I couldn't remember if he sings, but god damn, I can't watch that movie. <laughs> it's, I, I, didn't, I haven't bothered. I'm like, yeah, it's too. No. I, I hated it. I don't I need that amount it of depression. With every fiber of my being. But. I, I was going through my uh, Gosling hate period mm. at the time. And then only God forgives came out. You were hating. <laughs> it was turned you around immediately. So and then only Tim forgave. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Does that? Oh man! Does the counselor have any great music moments? I still haven't seen it. Uh, I know, I know <laughs> that and sabotage. <laughs> Two movies that Tim Willie's Willie's list of shame. <laughs> Apparently, they're both. You should watch them. Yeah, I know. yeah, back to back. If nothing else, at least oh, wow. for the the vivid description of a vagina. If you, if you watch both those back to back, you will do the Ace Ventura shower scene. Where you're just like, <laughs> burn your clothes. and Isn't Also set to the, the crying, crying game. game. Yes. I was just going to say. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah, This is where the segment ends. All right. Well, I think that leads us into our discussion of Wes Anderson's The Life Aquatic. Uh, starring Bill Murray, uh, Owen Wilson, Kate Blanchett, uh, Willem Dafoe. I'm doing this from memory. I apologize. 
Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. And John Michael Taylor. Gambon. Michael Gambon. Did you say Kate Blanchett? Bud Court. Yeah. Oh, good, good pull on Bud the, Court. The venerable Bud Court. Um, Sue George Rooster. <laughs> written by Noah Baumbach. Which yes. I did not know that. Written, co-written by Noah Baumbach. Uh, the IMDb synopsis says... With a plan to exact revenge on a mythical shark that killed his partner, oceanographer Steve Zissou rallies a, a crew that includes his estranged wife, a journalist, and a man who may or may not be his son. Angelica Houston. Yeah, Angelica Houston. Uh, let's see if anybody else is on here that we should. Also, Matthew Gray Goobler and Seymour Cassell. Star of uh, Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds, uh, 500 Days of Summer. That See the intern? Who that yes. was? Yeah, yes. it's funny because I never would have re- I'd never recognized him before, and then uh, Nikki's been watching a ton of that show, Criminal yeah, Minds, and I'm like, oh, I know that guy. Like, he's with Mandy. He's great. He's great. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, yeah, for a while, and the then Patinkin. we get a replacement, Joe Mantegna. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I like Joe Mantegna. He's he's star of Airheads, which <laughs> has many great musical <laughs> yeah. performances. How did we forget the Lone Rangers? Oh man. <laughs> How are we Steve the Buscemi the humping, wild stallions. Steve Buscemi humping a bass only happens in one movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Airheads. Well, on that note. He does not hump a bass in this movie, though, sadly. No. This is true. This is true. Uh, this is my pick for keyframes. I guess I have to say some words about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> say the words, Alex. <laughs> I've talked about this movie quite a bit. I think one of our first food for thoughts... I, it came up somehow that this is a movie that I saw and went to see on my first date, and it holds some sentimental value for me. And also just the fact that I got to watch it alone with my date in the balcony of the Birmingham 8 Theater, which isn't open anymore. Like, that balcony isn't open for viewing anymore. Um, that is very important to me. But also this is a movie, I picked this movie because it's kind of, some of the like the genesis of my critical eye i think or maybe not maybe not the genesis of it but kind of the awakening it kind of showed me my first uh what an auteur could do with a movie and how every single piece of a scene could be extremely well thought out and planned and meticulously crafted and i think that's something that is important to notice i feel like a lot of people could watch this movie and just be like well, that was weird, and then because I'm pretty certain that's exactly what I did with the Royal Tenenbaums a few years before. I was probably I was probably 11 years old when the Royal Tenenbaums came out, and that it just didn't hit me because I wasn't looking at movies in the same way. So, um, there's not much that I don't absolutely love about the Life Aquatic. It's it's got some of the best music. In, in movies, in my opinion, Mark Mothersbaugh hits it out of the park. And he also uses some fantastic source music in fantastic places. And, of course, Sue George uh, what's Rooster is fantastic in every single performance that he gives as well. But uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship between Wes Anderson and Willem Dafoe as well, <laughs> as I've noted previously on this podcast. Um, and Klaus Daimler is one of the finest characters in a film that I've ever seen, leading to one of the greatest sight gags in the mutiny scene when he says, I think you misjudged, misjudged the guy, and then he steps out of the room and you see his head pop back into the porthole. It's so funny. That kills me every time. And then on, on top of that, one that I didn't even notice until we watched it today, 
was when Ned is trying to convince Steve to pursue the shark again, and he puts his hand out to do the team ho thing. You can see uh, Klaus in the background, like putting his hand out to put it out and be a part of it, which is and he's like twenty feet away. Yeah, he's like way in the background, like he's not even in focus, and it's that's just wonderful. But um, this is a fantastic ensemble movie, and I think I have a fondness for anything that can carry an ensemble well. And the fact that there are tons of characters in this movie, they're all visually very different, but they all have their own role on the team, and they're all really well fleshed out, I think is beautiful, especially for like something that's not established. You can walk into something like uh, The Avengers, and you see that, that how well that ensemble works for you, or... Looking at something like even Firefly, where you get 14 episodes plus a movie to get used to that ensemble. This movie has two hours to give you this team of people, and you feel like you know the facets of the team, and and you learn the dynamics between everybody. And there are new additions to the team that that all work extremely well. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've been talking too much, but this is this is probably number. I flip it back and forth with Fight Club. It's number one or two on my top favorite movies of all time. But, uh, yeah, I want to hear you guys talk about it. So who wants to go next? Um, I'll go. Okay, Willie. Okay. okay. No, Shark Aside. That's my new name. Shark, yeah, yeah you me. refer to me as Shark Aside. Shark Aside. What are your thoughts on The Life Aquatic with Steve um, Zissou? You know, I hadn't seen it in... when? What year did it come out? It was... 2004. Three, four, Christmas 2003. I have seen this movie once before this. Yeah. Which is really weird because I have very fond memories of seeing it. I think I saw it in 2004 when it came out on DVD. I didn't really know who Wes Anderson was. I knew that it was the same guy that did Bombs, but it wasn't. Yeah. It didn't mean anything to me. Um, and I, I rem- after, you know, having seen it, I was like, well, this is out of the movies I've seen that he's made. This is my, my favorite of the bunch. This one really stuck out for me I like Ten and bombs, but this one was, was special because yeah. it has a lot of things that I just like the big ensemble cast. I've always enjoyed that. They all play off each other. And I love that in a movie. Um, like you said, the soundtrack is great. It hits it's, and it's got a, like the best use of search and destroy ever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been used a lot in movies, but it's got the best. I forgot to mention the fantastic montage set to gut feeling by Devo is amazing one of my yeah, favorite montages ever really good yeah it's not just the um the the bowie stuff which is fantastic yeah but it's there's other stuff that's in here that's that's used really well too absolutely um and it's got that wes anderson weirdness but not it doesn't feel like everything's like a pop-up book which is nice the the moments where it feels where it has that vibe about it are like the perfect moments to use that it's yeah. not over the top and sometimes he can get a little bit too for for my taste a little bit too much like that um but this this one does not do that so anyway i went into this movie thinking i wondered if i'm gonna still think this is like my favorite like if this is still gonna be my favorite wes anderson movie because i mean since then we've had darjeeling and, and moonrise and mr fox and um budapest budapest and it still is, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I I enjoyed this movie more tonight than I enjoyed it even the first time I saw it. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. It's I don't I I don't think there's anything I don't like about this movie. Yeah, I think the first time the one thing that kind of held me back from like feeling. 100% happy with everything that went down in the movie and, and every aspect of it was the the shift that it takes towards the end. 
And I, I remember watching it and going, I don't like that. Like that it's, this is weird for me. I don't mind things getting heavier, but it, it was like, huh, that really, and this time it didn't bother me. It actually kind of made sense for the movie. Yeah. Um, Still sad, you know, certain things that go down, but it makes sense for the movie. So, um, yeah, everybody's great. Uh, I mean, like Goldblum, for instance, I, you know, <laughs> he's a guy who, when he's used, like, he, he's, he's funny every time you see him. Like, sometimes it's a bad thing, actually, because you're supposed to be taking him seriously in certain movies or, or roles. And you're like, you can't because it's Jeff Goldblum. I, I caught an episode of him on um, Law and Order, and I was like, I can't. I'm laughing at this because <laughs> he's so funny because he's just Jeff Goldblum. Like, I can't. He's like talking to like a pedophile, and I'm laughing because it's Jeff Goldblum like interrogating this guy. Um, <laughs> it was hysterical. You guys should watch it. It's really funny. Um, he's pretty good on Law and Order. Like yeah, he's hilarious because he doesn't change him to change his thing up at all. Um, <laughs> So, but everybody else is playing it really straight. <laughs> I think he does that actually. Um, so anyway, I, like Jeff Goldblum, he's a guy that when he's used properly, oh my god, he's gold. Like I mean, that Bloom. the man. <laughs> I'm glad you did it. Um, I had to because Alex had water in his mouth, <laughs> which he's now choking on. <laughs> I'll continue speaking while Alex deals with the situation. Please do. Um, no, when he's used well, it's just it's he's incredible. And he, this is a movie where he's not really on screen that much overall. Like he's one of the the kind of supporting characters, but every time he's there, you just can't take your eyes off him because he's always doing something or or saying like he's he's amazing. Like look at his outfits and look he's at so his, regal. The way he lays down and the like <laughs> yeah. it just everything about him. And that's the thing about Wes Anderson that I think. This movie, really, you can pinpoint in this movie, at least why I enjoy his movies, is there's always something awesome going on in every frame. Like, even if the even if you're not into the conversation or the dialogue between the two characters in that given scene, maybe it's not the subplot that you're that interested in, or maybe uh, that particular set isn't super exciting visually to you. There's always something out there somewhere to pick and go, oh, that's awesome, like to cling to it. Like, you mentioned the uh, Zisu action figures, yeah. which I did not notice this time around. I didn't notice it the first time around. But that's something where, you, like, your eye was drawn to that. And you're like, oh, that's really cool. Like, that's yeah, awesome, like, you know? The, the movie... It rewards you for exploring, like, the frame, basically. Yep. Like, there are a lot of instances where you'll just look at something. Nick was like, is that a Zisu pinball machine? And I'm like, yeah. No. Like, I, I want that. <laughs> it's so cool. And yeah. there's there's so many so many moments like that where it's, um, where you, there's not, like, a sight gag. I think there's a lot of great sight gags and stuff in this. But there's a, there's a lot of moments where there's nothing really particularly crazy going on, but you just you can spot all those things. And it, I don't know. Even just like the quick moments that it cuts away from, like there's a there's a moment where they're like during the montage actually, where uh, Eleanor is looking at like the shot list and she crosses out skydive into volcano, and it's such a quick moment, but it's so funny to me. It's that, hilarious. Like Steve was probably like, yeah, we should probably skydive into a volcano for this one. <laughs> and yeah. that, that would ever be on the shot list. Would it's really. That's and funny. her being as intelligent and have, well, having been around Steve this long knows like that's gonna go, yeah. that's done. Yes, psychopath. So <laughs> no, it's the, the movie's it's great. It's it's a ton of fun. I really enjoyed myself, and it'll be in the rotation for. I, I won't wait as long to watch it again. So you won't wait another eleven years. <laughs> no, I won't do that. And it's not. I didn't do it because I disliked the movie. I don't know. It just never happened. So yeah. yeah. All right, Tim, your thoughts on the film. 
I was really excited to watch this because it is also, I think I watched it probably around the same time Willie did. Maybe we watched it at the same time across states. Weird. Very steamy. (laughs) Right. And I haven't watched it because I remember not liking it very much. Um, So, and it wasn't, so I was, I should say I was more lukewarm on it. Um, I really like Rushmore and I really like Royal Tenenbaums. I really like Bottle Rocket. And this, I think I was judging it wrong at the time when I liked it because I liked it a lot more this time. Um, I came at it with those other three movies. I actually felt like there was deeper stuff that resonated with me. This one doesn't have that for me. Um, and it's, you can tell it's more, it's more Noah Baumbach than Owen Wilson as his collaborator. Mm. Cause it's a, cause Zizu's such a dick and <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard for me to really connect with. I think he's funny. I think he's great. And I love watching him, but I never connect on any sort of level with him or the story with his son. And that's fine because it's, it's a Wes Anderson movie mixed with an action movie mixed with like a snobs versus slobs like comedy. And it's, <laughs> and it's really, really good in that way. Um, I think I also judge it a little more. Um, after this came out, I hated Darjeeling and I think I still do. Um, <laughs> but then I love, I didn't see Fantastic Mr. Fox, but I love Moonrise and I love Grand Budapest. So I think that helps too. I think in, now that he's gotten and my, I, I, like I'm back in a groove with him. I enjoyed his last two movies. I tend to look back a little more favorably on this one now. Um, cause if it, if he had retired after Darjeeling, I would have been like, Oh, thank God. Cause I don't like that movie. I just want to put that out there. I, from what I like, Darjeeling is my least favorite, but I have not watched it since I saw it in the theater it, in 2008 or whenever it came it, out. I think the problem is it, it with that one is it's kind of a progression of this one. It's a little more mean spirit. It's the most mean spirited of his movies. Yeah. And I don't like that, but, um, as far as this movie goes, yeah, when I watched it now, it's it's funny. I love watching Wes Anderson movies. I just I, I think they're beautiful to look at. Um, it's pretty surface level, but that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad we watched it again. Yeah. All right, Nick, your thoughts on the Life Aquatic? Uh, I really enjoyed Life Aquatic. I also saw it for the first time when it came out. I think when it hit the hit the family video circuit back in Elfo. And uh, one that saw it in theaters, I can't believe twice <laughs> actually. Boom, did not snobs versus slobs. No, no. <laughs> you went to Birmingham, we didn't get these kind of movies up in Gaylord Town, <laughs> yeah. And, and Fair enough. in Redford, we didn't have a movie theater, Alex. So <laughs> that's not true. Um, the Redford Theater is actually in Detroit, so <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah. Um, shows what you know, yeah, I guess. Um, anyway, never been there. It's fine. <laughs> Man, immediately derailed. What was I going to say? Okay, so I can't believe just like three minutes ago when you said that, I can't believe it's been that long since it came out. Right? It's actually very shocking because the first time I saw this movie, I was in a very different place in my life, as were we all, I'm sure. And it really resonated with me back then in, in moments, and it still does. Uh, I don't think I've ever really considered it my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but it it's it's still just so good. And the first time I saw it, the I th- remember thinking the middle was kind of slow. I remember thinking it was it was bogged down a little bit and I was kind of disinterested in like the I didn't find any humor in in Steve being an asshole to the reporter whose name I can't remember because he gives her so many shitty nicknames. Jane. Jane, okay. 
the whole middle of the movie, I was just kind of like, this is weird, and I, I don't really care. I can't really connect to that any level, but I remember loving the beginning and loving the end. And now I like the middle a lot more. I, I, f- I find a lot more humor in it, and I, I understand a lot more of what's going on, I think. Uh, but I still think the middle is a little bit slow here and there. It has some scenes where I'm like, this is funny, but whatever. Um, but it, it's a very different movie from, I think, Wes Anderson's others. Like kind of like what Tim was saying, it's a little bit different tonally, but it's not bad. It's definitely a movie that only Wes Anderson could make, and in a way, it's it's the most Wes Anderson. I think of like his his trilogy, which I consider Rushmore, Tenenbaums, and this. Um, because yeah, Darjeeling was kind of a weird outlier, and I like it. I actually, I it is really mean spirited, but I remember thinking it was pretty funny at times. But I, this one is there's something really magical about this one that's that's different from the magic of the other ones. So Rushmore is the one that when I first saw it, I was like, "Holy, who is this?" And I think he had only made up to ten bombs at that point, maybe. That if I was going to do a keyframes on Wes Anderson, for example, I would talk about Rushmore probably because it's it's so it's so uniquely him, and that's where like you like you put it really well, Alex, and you said that's where you, he found his voice. Yep. But there's something about the Life Aquatic that feels. So completely unique. He's and reached it, his final form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, he got to a place that I think, like you said, kind of pointed out the the art direction, the production design in the movie is just insane. It's mm-hmm. dialed to eleven, and it's everything in every shot, every fabric that everything's made out of, every color of everything. You know, was deliberated and and discussed, and it ties into that day for night scene that. Wes Anderson parodied for his uh, Amex commercial. Mm-hmm. It's the same. I mean, every single detail your eyes you're going to lay your eyes on in that movie has been specifically chosen for a purpose, and it's like almost nauseating when you think about <laughs> it at that level. You're like, oh god, who is this sicko that has to spend so much time obsessing over it? But he he loves art. He loves paintings, and obviously, in a painting, everything has to be chosen by design because you're literally creating it out of nothing. And there's a lot of paintings in this movie that I think reinforce that. And this was where he kind of was finally like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to make a movie of nothing but paintings, and you're gonna you're gonna be just overwhelmed by it. And like the cross section sequence of the Belafonte, it's I, it's insane. Who who does that? That's that's my favorite scene in the movie, I think, it, by by far. And the the execution of all of the camera movement in this movie is just flawless, and it's so hard to do. And his DP, uh, Robert Yeoman, talks a lot about how just stupidly hard it is to get that perfect symmetry. How designing the sets and, and placing everything and placing the camera and choosing your lensing and blocking your actors to find that perfect symmetry is really, really, really hard. Like people would, and myself included, used to think like, oh, you just put it in, stand in the middle of the room. It's a big <laughs> deal. But there's so much work and science and geometry that goes into doing that correctly. And it's fascinating. And so when I hear, if you don't like Wes Anderson's movies, that's fine. You know, you can, you can, he's, he's certainly become more relatable. I think now more and more people enjoy his films, but you got to respect what he does. It's, it's like no one else, really. He's, uh, I'm glad you threw the, the auteur in there because he is. Yeah. And there's not many modern ones. People will attribute that like, yeah, Nolan, he's an auteur. And yeah, he kind of is, but not to the degree that Wes is. So it's, um, I'm really glad we got to watch it. It's, it's it was really fun to watch again because it's been a long time. It's probably been five six years since I've seen it. So. This movie for me is becoming. <laughs> I don't want to throw it in a category with the smattering of movies I'm about to, but 
it's in the same category as I've spoken before as Star Wars and the Pest. In that I can put it on and almost end up turning it off halfway through because I'm like, I've seen this a billion times. I know every frame. I know every word. Although now I noticed a few jokes and things that I hadn't noticed before. So that was good. But I feel like it's so ingrained in me that I don't even really need to watch it anymore. But I still love it so much. It's It was my first Criterion DVD purchase. Um, and... Not to mention, like, down to the auteur that Wes Anderson is, his exclusive collaboration slash relationship with Adidas is awesome and infuriating at the same time. So I remember hunting eBay <laughs> and everything, not even looking for Zisu Adidas, but looking for the ROMs that they were based on, but went out of production in, like, the 80s, so you couldn't find them anywhere for a reasonable price, and I was a... 13 14 year old kid who wasn't gonna buy a hundred dollar sneakers and then paint them the right colors to make them zisu i love that detail those stupid shoes are so fantastic and i now own a pair of adidas i was gonna say you have them now i have zisu adidas that i built with the <laughs> my adidas thing on the website and and paid the money to have them custom made and I feel like they're perfect. I love them. And, and sadly, they're still at my parents' house. I have to go and grab them so that I can... I never wear them in the winter because I'm like, I don't want no. anything to touch these. But they're beautiful shoes. But like the fact that, that that he would go to that amount of... That extent and be like, I want you guys to create this thing for this character. And just it just kind of drives home the point that he absolutely does look at every single piece of every single frame it's it's wonderful and um the cross section of the belafonte the let me tell you about my boat that's one of the songs on the soundtrack that i could be listening to shuffle on my itunes and that song will pop up and i'll go and like i'll sit down and be like god i fucking love this movie i need to watch it again right now and on top of that that whole the insanity of that scene, the fact that he shot it on a stage that was like bigger than a city block and that you have this whole cross section of the ship and can move from part to part. And the fact that it comes back again later in the movie mm-hmm. in like a pivotal emotional part, it's beautiful. And it's unlike a lot of things, like unlike anything that I've seen in, in any other movie, it's absolutely wonderful. So... Yeah, I don't know how much more there is to say. I did kind of want to go into spoiler Terry real quick, unless anybody has any other quick thoughts. Um, so spoilers for the Life Aquatic. Pause here. Go watch it. Come back. Do you guys think Ned actually died? Yeah, I I, I never questioned that he didn't. I always thought he did. Yeah, yeah, I always thought he did. Same here. Okay. Yeah. I kind of get the. I always liked the the kind of nod there in the in the end credit sequence that. That he kind of could be there, mm-hmm. and 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 that Zisu did it to up the ante and, and drama of the movie, and and even so I think there have been some people that suggest that Esteban is actually in the the control room below Ned, with the, you can see kind of a bald head in the in the window. But that one I kind of question less because of like Steve's actual emotional. I don't think Steve that Steve is that good of an actor, <laughs> and his emotional resonance with the jaguar shark is so awesome. I don't think it has anything to do with Esteban. 
when he's getting emotional with the Jaguars. Really? What do you think I, it is? I, I'm sure he loved Esteban, but I, have, I don't think that has anything to do with it. This is a man who I think at one point, and this is the one reason I do actually feel a connection with Steve Zissou. I think at one point he was a good guy. I think he was a decent dude. Now, yes, he still was a deadbeat dad. He didn't respond. He knew he had a kid out there and didn't do anything to contact him, but he was an adventurer at heart. Like the last, th- first of all, he clearly had an issue with his own father because he mentions like, I, I don't like dads. Like yeah. I don't want to do that. So never wanted to be one. <clears throat> exactly. So there's that. But then there's also the fact that here's a guy who, who makes his living and, um, lives the lifestyle of somebody who's an adventurer. He, he's always out and out and about with his crew and, Going on these great adventures and chasing what is it, jungle cats through the woods, island cats, <laughs> island cats, um, and doing all this stuff. And uh, the discovery that you have, should we check this? Yeah, wait a second. We have an intruder. We have an intruder in the listeners. In the while studio. Alex has stepped away to tend to the official dog of the Midwest <laughs> Podcast Network, we just want to remind you to drink your Ovaltine, yeah, and watch wrestling, Street Sharks, and Street Sharks, and Street Sharks. Zits and spuds. Ripster. <laughs> Zits and spuds. Zits is actually one of the Battletoads. Yes. Yeah. Also spuds a great not. franchise. We okay? Do we have any intruders? Have the, yeah, have the, have the pirates think, arrived? I think she heard a kid <laughs> on his bike. Okay. Um, so anyway, so S- Steve is... Um, after losing Esteban, I think he's starting to realize... Well, that and then the movie reviews and, and the, the critical analysis of his nature docs and stuff. He's realizing he's not relevant anymore. And I think he's become, I think he's realizing that he's become kind of a bitter prick and taken it all for granted over the course of his life. And on, t- on top of that, I think he's just becoming more of a bitter prick because of it. So it's like that staking its own tail thing. Yeah. And I think the moment – there's a moment with everybody there in that, that submarine where they all see that shark. And I think they all remember why they're doing it to begin with. Like I think there's moments where all of them are kind of like – the hell are we doing out here? Like some of them quit, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think for him, it's that moment of like, when he says, do you think he remembered me? It has nothing to do with the confrontation with the shark with Esteban. It's, he just wants to be remembered hmm. by somebody. Like he wants to be remembered by somebody. He wants to have made an impact somehow. Like, I think in that moment he goes, stamps back to that man. I hope cause he made no, he made, he, he's not even sure he made an impact in his son's life. And his son's dead, like right as they get to, you know what I mean? So I think that that's part of it too, is it's not about, it's not about Esteban. It's not. I've never even thought about it that way, but yeah, it's about, it's about a guy you. who's like having like the ultimate crisis of what did I, what am I leaving? Anything? Does anybody care? I made all these little films all the years. Does it matter? Like, I think that's what it's really about. Hmm. Yeah. Agreed. hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. I've always oh, felt that way. Sorry. No, yeah. that, no, that's great. That's great. That's very cool. But Esteban might be dead, and he might be sad about that, too. I don't know. I think a lot of it's pretty telling in Steve's like reactions to everything, too. He just kind of sits with his hands on the wheel and just stares. Like, when the shark swims overhead, and everybody reacts except for him, because he's just there, and he's, like, having this moment. Mm-hmm. He's having a universe moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at the bottom of the, <laughs> the ocean, <laughs> where there's, like, volcanoes of tar. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's That whole sequence is really cool, too, because you almost wonder, did he... Does he act, did he actually believe that he saw what he saw, or was it well? There's there's the next like I think I might have seen that, but yeah. you know that'll be a good next chapter in this series. Or and like maybe there's a moment of where he sees that shark and goes, "Holy shit, it was real!" Like there's there's that moment of that too where he's like, "I discovered something new." Like yeah, because he was gonna quit too. Like yeah. just prior to that, yeah. he had thrown in the towel, and then 
That little extra something came, the little bit of mojo on the universe pulled him back out there. And he, like, like what you said, uh, you're, they remembered why they were doing it in the first place. Do do you think this movie was a, a success for Steve? Do you think that was that it was actually received well? Oh yeah, no, I think I think that you you hear that cheering you hear in the, the background, applause, yeah. and I think I think he's come back, and I think uh, you know what though, I get the vibe that he's done though. I he don't, I get yeah. the vibe that he's like. He's kind of done with it. I think, I mean, you see the crew walking at the end and stuff, and, and maybe maybe they do continue going on their little adventures together and stuff, but I don't think he's, then he, he's not in it for the wrong reasons anymore, no, I don't he, think. No, well, that's part, that's part of the reason he walks off with the kid at yeah. the end, too. Instead, of he, he's kind of leaving behind that and then going off with the younger. Yeah. Yeah. I think to that's... Kind of that's tone for what he did. Yeah, he's kind of doing it now. He's remembering why I think he started to do it in the first place. I'm sure there had, I mean... To get involved in something like this, like this nature documentary, this this whole lifestyle of of because I mean you, you got to think he probably doesn't spend much time at home. He's I mean realistically, I mean I know it's a comedy, but he would be on the on the the road all the time. Yeah, and um, so he clearly had a passion for it, and I think at some point along the way that like a lot of people in in real life that disappears. You know, you start getting caught up in more worried about how critically well received you are, and not worried about how much you're enjoying and, and, and that that's, that's something that I think can, uh, you, anybody can relate to, you know? I'm, yeah. I, yeah. So. All right. Yeah. One other thing that I thought of that I wanted to say when you were talking about Jeff Goldblum, I feel like he, <laughs> how I, beautiful he is. Well, yeah, I feel like Wes Anderson just really wanted to work with Jeff Goldblum and that's why the, I'm a pepper shirt is a thing and why the end credits are Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> Cause he's just like, Jeff Goldblum, I love you. Come, come work with me. like and like those were bargaining chips to be like, okay, uh, how about this and how about this? Let me like, wear this T-shirt. That's yeah. totally a Jeff Goldblum thing to do. Like, I want to wear this shirt right here. Well, and he like he was part of that ad campaign. Was too. he? Yeah, he I was. He was one of the people in the commercial saying, "I'm a pepper," wearing the "I'm a pepper" T-shirt back when that was a thing in like the '80s. That's wonderful. Well, I was wondering so. about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so small on him too. Yeah. <laughs> he looks so it's swole. Super, super tight. Yeah. All right, well, I think this brings keyframes, not only our review of the film, but also keyframes too close. Oh, can I mention that whale in the background? Oh, oh, yeah. oh That God. is the yeah. best part of the movie. I, I was like, part. why are Nick and Willie not laughing at this? Because <laughs> I, mis- so I was just mystified by it. <laughs> if, if you were to ask me to pick up like one scene like that makes me like explain why you love Wes Anderson. It's yeah. that scene because <laughs> like the entire time they're having a like a conversation in the foreground and in the background there's just this whale just messing around. It, yeah. It's nice. I like when people with talent have a good sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I like Wes Anderson. Good. It is really good, that's good. a really funny sequence because the conversation is so serious too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like heavy. Maybe not heavy heavy's not the right word, but serious. Yeah. yeah. Real talk going down <laughs> and then just Orca clowning in the background. <laughs> There's a lot of killer whale humor in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> when he, the shot of him feeding one is so funny. Yep. It's like this little tiny. Yeah, the like the most like he's like it's the mundane part of his day. He's got to go and feed the whale <laughs> from, uh, from one a top, fish from <laughs> atop a huge A-frame ladder. <laughs> it's like a, yeah, like a little eight-inch-long fish. Oh, it's so funny. Wonderful. And the dolphins are great too. And of course, I I know I've mentioned it before the uh, the leeches scene. Oh, what's man? Am I the only one that got hit? That's one of the first the things deal? I remember from the trailer for the movie, and I was like, "That's pretty funny," you yeah. know. You know, yeah. this movie has such an amazing trailer. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so well put together, and it it 
guilty of doing a lot of trailery things like taking things from the movie that are not even near each other in the movie and juxtaposing them together but it's so funny i actually what sold me on doing the movie is i went and watched the trailer last week and i was like that's the one that's the one <laughs> good choice alex thank you good choice good choices good. all around boys yes. yeah this was a lot of fun pretty happy with this i hope our listeners enjoyed keyframes it might reappear at some point someday We've got many other casts of characters that have been on the Midwest Film Nerds. I wonder what their keyframes would be. Too. Yeah, we could do that. I know, I know. Amy's is uh, it's uh, ever after. Ever after. Ever after. Yeah, that's that's which would be kind of fun. I know that one. Yeah. I wonder what Lance would say though. Do you know well, what Lance you, you would know, say? Uh, End of watch. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> twelve blocks. <laughs> 16, 16 blocks. Oh my 12, god! Twelve rounds. Is what Twelve I mean. rounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, here's guns. the thing, though. Like, Keyframes is not necessarily your favorite movie, right. so it might not be Ever After. Yeah, Amy, that's true. Amy, Amy might might surprise she us. She could with pick something. something else. I don't know, mm-hmm. Lance. See, Lance is the most well versed person in movies that I know. Yeah, it's it's pretty staggering how many movies he sees. Actually, he was at the Toronto International Film Festival recently. Yeah, he goes and attends and works as a volunteer so that he can see as many movies as possible. Uh, but all kidding aside, Lance, we know you would do Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past <laughs> lives. <laughs> That's Wonderful. a key frame. Wonderful. Uh, feedback at MidwestFilmNews.com is where you can write to us. Tell us about what you think about the show or the things that we talk about. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I just want to I wanna, like, guess everybody's like key frame movie. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Wait, well, we don't have to now. Okay. Put me on the spot. All right. Next, next week's segment. Ascribe people's uh, keyframe movies. Right. Uh, at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Midwest Filmers Podcast on Facebook and Vine. MidwestFilmers.com is where you can... I kind of just want to hear you shoot from the hip, really. Okay. Oh, wow. without, time to, without prep time. Uh, Rick. Oh, Rick's is odd. No, Rick's... Wild at heart. Wild at heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Gojo. God, Gojo's so tough. It's got to be a Godzilla movie, right? Or Ballistic uh, X versus Seven. Oh, my God. Like, it's, it's, actually, it's actually probably The Ring. Oh, because it? it scared the shit. He's scared. There's a really good story. I don't There's know if an amazing it. Well, 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 the, the Ring story with Gojo. We'll yeah. talk about it. He bought the DVD yeah. when it came out because he was so mystified by it, and then he hid it in his house. <laughs> it's still there, I think, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, probably. Um, um, Nikki. Nikki, is, uh, it's got to be... Um, I'm going to say The Skulls. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would guess... Uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That's it's either going to be Pee-wee or, or uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Probably Pee-wee though. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, How far was I off on the skulls? Though? No, honestly, she that's likes not, the skulls. She, she loves the skulls. <laughs> I was going to uh, say some version of the Jungle Book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some version of it. Um, geez, who, been on? Yeah, who else have we had on? Alec. 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 I don't Alec's know about a tough Alec. Tough nut to crack. Yeah. Um, because we Alec rented from us a lot. A lot. Yeah, sure. I can't remember a single movie that I ever <laughs> rented to him. Guardians. He really liked the Guardians. He did like Guardians. Yeah. True. yeah. I feel like Alec would do like a fun like 90, 80s or 90s like child. I feel like you okay. could pick. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like something like, like Flight of the Navigator or something like that. You know what I mean? Something's kind of wacky. and He has a lot of reverence for um, Evil Dead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We did have okay. uh, he does love horror movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. He's a, he's a pretty big Bruce that. Campbell fan too. Oh, well. Um, John, my name is Bruce. John Morell. Maniac Cop. John Morell. John Morell. Um, the Pest. Or is it a no, Morel no, Boys he, thing? He, he actively hates the pest because he knows that he has to balance me out in the universe. High Fidelity? High Fidelity could be up there. I know that's that's one of his favorites. He also really, really loves The Girl Next Door. 
He mentioned that on the Game Nerds. Yeah. Is the girl next door the uh, Alicia Cuthbert? Oh, yeah. oh. it's really funny. Timothy Oliphant, mm-hmm. um, Hitman. John likes Hitman. No, I don't no. think he's. Ever I thought you just seen. like. Killing I can see Elf. John watching like Never Die Alone. Like, does he like? Does like, he like the movie? wizard? No, no, no. I think he, the I think wizard. He actually, I think he actually said to me. He said, he said, mine would probably be the crow. <laughs> yes. Uh. Yeah. Oh my God! Get John on here. We're canceling everything next week. Screw the Martian. John, the crow, keyframes. Nick has to be on the episode <laughs> to watch Nick try and be nice <laughs> about that movie. You yeah. know what? Uh, you might enjoy. Maybe it enough time has passed. Yeah. Maybe. 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 Maybe you can try to put aside the feelings and and judge a little more objectively. I, mean, I, I love. I, I went in objectively the first time I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, there. I like. I like John style. I'm a big fan of the Crow. Yes, yeah. it does um, have Michael Wincott. Love, my, love fan- Michael Wincott. Fantastic. He's got long, flowing locks. Yes, and he's he got does. a sword at one point. <laughs> awesome. He's like the kingpin of Detroit, and he's like a long-haired white dude with a sword. That makes no sense. Uh, it's also got Michael Massey in a killer performance. You can also find oh, us... Oh, <laughs> that's shitty. <laughs> that's shitty. I'm pretty sure that's the second time I've made a Michael Massey killing Brandon Lee joke. Oh, man. Not enough. <laughs> whoop, whoop. You guys didn't like Laser Mission? Come on. What the hell? Am I the only Brandon Lee fan here? Showdown Little heard. Tokyo? Is that everybody... That's been on the podcast. Is that everybody that was on the Iron Man three podcast we did? <laughs> or the Resident Evil one that was like Jeez. huge. Uh, was what like about 60. Steven Tobolowski? What's his keyframe? Mm. Hmm. He's a big Brando fan. I think he'd go with some like uh, some prob- classic. You know what? He'd probably go with the Wild One or On the Waterfront. Island mm. of Doctor Moreau. <laughs> There's an amazing documentary about the yeah. uh, 90s Island of Doctor Moreau yeah. on Netflix. It's really good because everything that can go wrong in that production went wrong, and it's fantastic. What's it called Lost, Lost Souls. Lost Souls. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Like, ugh. watch right. it. We've gone on. Super yes. Long. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Uh, Bye. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Kyle why I go watch a movie. <laughs> I don't know what we're watching next week. Listeners, write in what your keyframe would be. Yeah. Kyle why I go watch another movie.